God, we've come to the time in this service when we bow in your presence to open the book of life. We ask you, O Lord, that your presence would come near us at this moment, that we might hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Touch us through your divine unction from the Holy One, in Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said amen. amen. Christmas is such a wonderful time of cheer and family and eating and celebrating and enjoying all the good things. You know, for I'm reminded of that story about the hen and the hog that had a conversation about giving to the farmer. And the chicken suggested, said, I, I'd like for us just to give a, a good gift to the farmer. So let's just provide a good breakfast for the farmer. Said, I'll give some eggs. And the uh, pig said, uh, well, for you that's an offering, but for me that's a sacrifice. <laughs> you know, for some, giving at Christmas is uh, offering. For others, it's a sacrifice. I found out that when I sacrifice, then God is moved by that sacrifice that we make. In fact, the Bible said, present ourselves a living sacrifice. And that was the way we transform ourselves and regenerate ourselves into becoming the person God wants us to be, by the renewing of our mind and by uh, being a living sacrifice, which is only your reasonable, reasonable service, a sacrifice. Is there a sacrifice connected to Christmas? I really think there is. Because in order for there to be a Christmas, some people had to submit themselves to God's purpose and God's plan. For you see, God is the supreme crisis intervener. We talk about crisis intervention as being something that counselors do as therapy to help people who are in crisis. A crisis occurs when all of your coping mechanisms fail. And that's when crisis comes. When every ability of your own to cope and to survive, when that falls apart and fails you, then you're in a crisis. Could I tell you that every one of us, every person of Adam's race was in a crisis because all of our efforts to raise ourselves from the quagmire of what we call the human condition, which is sin that was inherited from Adam. For as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. By one man's transgression sin entered into the world, but by one man's obedience. Redemption was accomplished for many because God looked at our situation and saw, he described it, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, stranger to the covenant of promise, lost. Well, what a terrible word, lost. And if you don't think that's a crisis, when you got an appointment to be somewhere at 10 o'clock and it's 10 till 10 and you can't find your keys, you got a crisis. Especially when you realize the fee is $50 for scheduling an appointment and not showing up. Crisis. Lost. Brother, when you, I say that word lost, it 
just kind of brings a chill over you. We just don't like that word. Lost. Having no hope. My goodness. And that's the description of all of us without Jesus. All of us without Christmas. Lost. Having no hope. And without God in this world. Great Lord. So I'm so glad God intervened into our situation. And the motivation was love. For God so loved the world that he intervened. God so loved that he didn't leave us in our human condition. God so loved the world that he refused to let us go on in our pernicious ways. God so loved the world that he gave a gift. It's called the unspeakable gift. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, whosoever, whosoever. I'm so glad there wasn't an age attached to that. I'm so glad there wasn't a nationality attached to that. I'm so glad there wasn't a gender attached to that. It's just simply whosoever, young, old, rich, poor, intelligent, ignorant, man, woman, child, adult, whatever, whosoever will, let him come. As I stood at the bedside of an elderly man this week who was gasping for breath, I was able to tell him, there's a Christmas for you. There's an intervention for you. God has made intervention that's available to you so that you win however this goes, however this turns out, you win. I stood right up there in that room, in that Sunday school room, when a man wanted to see us one day. His uh, condition was he, he had just discovered that he had cancer and just discovered that he only had a few months according to what the doctor said to him. And he said, I need to make some preparations. I need to make some arrangements about my, my situation. I'm not, really, I'm not really taking care of my soul situation yet. And I was able to lead that man in that room right up there to the Lord that, that day. And to tell him, you win either way. Either way, you win. God, through Christmas, has conquered death, hell, and the grave. God, through Christmas, has taken the sting out of death. God, through Christmas, has conquered the devil, our adversary, once and for all, forever. Forever. He is defeated today. Can you say that? Defeated. By, by Christmas, Satan is defeated. He did everything in his power to kill him when he was a baby. Because he did not want that word that was made flesh to grow up to be the thorn in his side that he became. He did everything in his power to keep him from going to the cross. Because he knew that if he went to the cross and ascended upon that altar and was offered up for the sins of the whole world forever, that Satan would be defeated by that cross and the blood of that cross. Because we are no longer foreigners and we're no longer strangers, and we're no longer aliens, but now we're members of the household of God. We're family, family, children of God. Because there was a Christmas, 
And Christmas could not be experienced without some people making a sacrifice. It was according to God's plan that there had been lambs offered. That great song that starts out for so many years, so many lambs were offered up. So many lambs. Blood had flowed from animal sacrifices for years which Hebrews said could never take away sin. It could never take away sin. Cover it, indulge it, but never take it away. It would always be there. But when John looked up on the bank of the Jordan River, he saw one coming down to be baptized. And in the spirit, he lifted his voice and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which comes to take away the sins of the world. So it's right that a virgin named Mary would be visited by an angel and told, God's got a plan for your life. God has got a plan for your life. Life. God wants to use you. He needs you. Will you allow your life to fall into the hands of God? Now in Catholicity, they believe that the Holy Virgin, at three years old, ascended the steps of the temple and there covenanted with God that she would be a virgin forever. Forever. And Catholicity believes that she is canonized as a saint because she never had an experience with a man and never was pregnant. And therefore they hold her in esteem as she is able to take away sin. But there is only one who can take away sin. And the Orthodox, Greek Orthodox Church, as well as Catholicity, believes that Mary is some kind of celibate person. But the Bible tells us that Jesus had family. And just a few months ago, there was discovered in the city of Jerusalem a ossuage, that ossuary that was contained bones, and on the inscription on it says, James... Son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. You didn't get that. That box that contained bones had an inscription on it that said, These are the bones of James, the son of Joseph. Brother of Jesus. But while they found the family bones of one of the children of Joseph, they could never find bones or a box that would contain the bones of the Lord Jesus and could say, These are the bones of Jesus, son of Joseph. No, that will never, ever happen. And that box will never, ever be found because Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is not the son of Joseph. 
All of the Gospels differ in the way. Matthew starts with a genealogy and a, and a lineage. And we talked about this Wednesday night. And he goes for 39 verses, or 39 occurrences, rather, of so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat so-and-so. But he gets down to the 16th verse. Can you put that up there for me, please? That 16th verse. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, so Joseph, who was the father of James, Jacob was his grandfather, not the Jacob that went over the, that married Rachel. No, not that one. Jacob was a common name. Itshak is the way you would say it in Hebrew. Isn't that something? Itshak. And Itshak, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. It doesn't say Jacob begat Joseph and Joseph begat Jesus. It stopped that kind of discourse right there. And it said, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, or Jacob begat Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, of whom was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Christ. The Holy Ghost knew better than to call Jesus the son of Joseph. And on the 40th generation, made that declaration there. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus. Jesus then would be the 41st generation. If Jacob was the 39th, Joseph was the 40th, and Jesus was the 41st. Now, let's read on there that next verse and see what it says in 17. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and then 14 from the exile to the Messiah. So is that saying, Don, there was 14, three sections of 14? 14, 14, and 14. Where I went to school, three times 14 is 42. So then if Jacob was 39, Joseph was 40, Jesus is 41, then who is 42? John's doing like this. All of these folks sitting around you is generation 42. Because Christ has been born in you. Christ has been formed in you. In Paul's gospel, he said, until Christ be formed in you. I preach, I labor, I have a call of God upon my life so that you can become generation 42. Touch your neighbor and say, you're generation 42. The church of the living God is generation 42. Until Christ be formed in you. When that angel appeared to Mary at that well in that little town, and he said to her, Gabriel it was, said, 
You are highly favored and you are blessed among women because God hath chosen you. Glory to God. Could I tell you that same God has chosen you for the birth of the Son of God to be in your heart and in your life too? To be informed that you're chosen. That God wants to use you for a Savior to be born. Wow, isn't that fantastic? And she willingly listened to all of that. And then she said to that angel, Therefore be it unto me as thou hast spoken. Wow. Brother, when she made that surrender and said, Lord, you can use me. When she said, Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. Lord, if you want me, if you need me, if your will and your purpose and your plan is for me to bear a child, that the Holy Ghost will come upon me and the Spirit of the Most High and the power of God will overshadow me and I will do something for God, then let it be just like you said. I would to God that every person in this house this morning would say to God, Lord, let it be as thou hast said. If you need my life, if you want to work through me, if you want something to be birthed in me, then Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. Hallelujah. What a wonderful thing for Mary. To say, God, you need my womb, you need my body, then here's the sacrifice. Do with the sacrifice as you please. I give you my whole self. What more greater could we give to God than to give ourselves? One of the missionaries was telling me, Bill offered that he was doing a mission service and he took up an offering in one of the third world countries in South America. He said a lady came forward and said they had a big container there and they were dropping their offering in and she stepped over into the basket and she said, I just want God to have me. I just want to give me. Oh, I wish I had a basket like that this morning. And we'd form a line over here and one by one we'd come by and step inside and say, Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. I'll preach your word. I'll sing. I'll, I'll teach. I'll, I'll go out and do drive through prayer. I'll do whatever you need me to do, God. You can have me. You can have me. And that's what Christmas is about. And then there's this guy that I call the forgotten man of Christmas. The forgotten man. His name is Joseph. And brother, I want to tell you, he was in a crisis. He was engaged to be married. And suddenly he gets news. This woman that I'm expecting to marry is pregnant with a child. And the Bible said, and while he pondered these things in his heart... Boy, I'll guarantee you it was a heart attack. I'll guarantee you those were miserable days. I'll guarantee you he was hopeless and didn't know what to do. I'll guarantee you he was in a, in a very wretched condition wrestling with that thing until in a dream. 
Brother Jerry, I don't believe in dreams. Well, throw your Bible away because, brother, it's full of dreamers like Joseph. In a dream. In a dream. The angel came and said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to let God use you. Don't be afraid to be a sacrifice to God. Don't be afraid to let your life be an offering. Don't be afraid to make a commitment. Don't be afraid to do as God's word instructs you to do. Don't be afraid to walk in the light as he is in the light. Don't be afraid to trust your whole life to the Lord. Fear not. Fear not to take unto thee Mary. Don't be afraid to do the will of God. Don't back off from what God wants you to do. If God says, I need to use you, if God says, I've got a work for you to do, if God says, you're a benefit to me, then step forward, I'll tell you, everything you thought was gonna be bad will turn to good. Everything you thought would be sour will turn to sweet. Everything you thought would be sad will become glad because blessed is that man that gives his life to God and trusts the Lord with his whole substance. Joseph, don't be afraid. Yes, they'll mock. Yes, you'll be laughed at and scorned. You'll be called a fool. Let's just take a little poll. Has God ever asked you to do something that didn't make a whole lot of sense? Something your family tried to talk you out of? Something that your friends called you crazy? Have you ever felt led of God to do something so radical and so out there that people didn't understand your heart and they didn't understand what God was doing and the prayers that you've been praying and they didn't understand where you were and what you were dealing with and they didn't know and, and suddenly the Lord gave you a peace and said, if you'll just obey me, if you'll just take me at my word, if you'll just do what I'm telling you is my will for your life, fear not to take Mary for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. How many of you have been told don't get mixed up with that Holy Ghost bunch? Don't go over and get mixed up with that tongue talking and all. Don't you get mixed up with that. Now you, you, you serve God. You don't have to do all that to serve the Lord. Yeah, but you get to. You don't have to, but you get to. Hallelujah. You get to. You get to honor the Lord and sing spiritual songs, making melody in your heart. You get to have a prayer language that you can talk to God directly through the heavens. You get to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You don't have to sit around like a sad sack of potatoes when God's word is preached or when the word of God is sung. You got a joy in your heart. You got a peace in your spirit. When you got that, you got something that God gave to you. Don't be afraid of the Holy Ghost. Don't be afraid because that is a work of the Holy Ghost. Said, so now let me tell you what you do. Said, so you get up from here and said, you take her 
and you do like you was told, put her away privately, and you take care of her, and you be the man that makes this happen. You cooperate with God and make this happen. Wow. And the Bible said, not willing that she should be made a public example. He put her away privately. He went and found her. I said he went and found her, and he took her in took her in and began caring for her. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you got to nurture the work of God in your life. Sometimes you got to take care and, take, and, and protect it. Sometimes you got to beat the devil off of the word of God in your life. Sometimes you got to slap those demons out of the way that want to tell you how crazy you are, how God's got you uh, a hoax played on you, and God's playing a trick on you. You got to got to slap those devils to the side. You got to protect what God is doing and what God assigns you to. God said, "Take care of her." So He went and got her. Praise God, and said, "I'm going to take care of you, girl," because God has already told me, and I love. When the angel got through talking to him, he said, be it as thou hast spoken. Same thing Mary said. Brother, when you get a marriage where one said, God, whatever you say is what we're going to do. And the other one comes in right on the tail end of that and says, well, whatever God says, that's what we're going to do. And when you get two walking together that are saying we're going to do what God says do, then you can stand up in the church and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to walk in the light as it shines upon our path. We're going to obey the Lord and we're going to be what God wants us to be. And I'll tell you, when two walk together agreed that they're willing to submit to the will of God, then all hell can't put asunder what God joins together. Joseph, fear not to take unto thee Mary, that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. That holy thing, somebody say holy thing. That holy thing is of the Holy Ghost. Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make a public example. But while he thought on these things, the angel appeared, said in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son. And his name is not Joseph Jr. Not even after his uncle Zach. But call his name Yeshua, Jesus, for he shall save his people. From their sins. Wow. What a Christmas. Because the Holy Ghost was having charge. All of this sacrifice. All of this giving. And I'm telling you, there will be people that will come around and try to talk you out of your being radical about the way you feel about the Lord. Well, I'm saved, but I, I don't do like you do. I don't think you have to go to church all the time to be saved. I, I don't think you have to do all that stuff. I'm saved, but I love Jesus. He knows I love him, you know. I got saved once when I was a little girl. You know, I'm always saved, so I can just do anything I want to do. Think that again. I said, th rethink that. 
God is not casual about redemption. He's not mundane and ordinary about salvation. But I'll tell you something that he loves. He loves when our worship and our praise flows up to him. I would hope this Christmas that realizing what all I've said today would cause every one of us in this house to offer up an aroma, a sweet-smelling savor, an aroma that would just go up to God this Christmas, that the gift of praise, that the gift of blessing, that the gift of exalting, that the gift of expressing our gratitude for all that he is to us would flow up to him this Christmas. What a Christmas that would be. There's a story in Mark Mark 14. Come on, Connor, and play for me to preach to music a little bit. They think I'm quitting, maybe. You see it, Mark 14, it was two days before the feast of the Passover. The feast of the Passover was a thanksgiving service for Israel. God said, as long as time goes on, don't forget what I did for you in Egypt. Don't forget about that night that the death angel passed through and that the doorpost that had the blood on the doorpost was where there was protection. And every year, every year, you gather and you celebrate the fact that we were delivered from bondage and we were delivered from the awfulness of that terrible enslavery. And this is the way we celebrate it. Every year we celebrate it this way by having Passover. Two days before Thanksgiving. Two days. The Bible said they assembled after two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they may take him by craft and put him to dead. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper. Now brother, that's a bad nickname right there, isn't it? Simon the leper. Well, we know that there wouldn't be any party going on at anybody's house where the owner of that house was a leper. Lepers didn't live in houses. Lepers lived in colonies. They were placed out of the city. And they, under law, could not come within 20 feet of another person. They were in little groups outside the city walls that couldn't fellowship with the city, couldn't worship at the temple, couldn't buy food at the market, just had to accept whatever people pitched to them and threw to them. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, Lepers don't have homes. 
Lepers don't have parties. Well, you're thinking right. Evidently, Jesus had healed this guy. Evidently, Jesus had performed a miracle for him because he was no longer a leper because they wouldn't be having a party at his house if he was still a leper. There wouldn't be people that would get within 20 feet of him. It's against the law if he was still a leper. So evidently, he's not a leper anymore. But the bad thing is they still associate him with what he used to be. Woo, son, talk about some preaching. I'm fixed. Can I preach right now? Is it all right to preach? Lots of people would like to hang a label on you about what you used to be and how you used to act and where you used to go and how that lifestyle was so bad and you got that nickname kind of attached to you. But praise God, what they fail to realize is that's not me anymore. I'm Simon now. I'm not a leper anymore. I was that one that went back and said, thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Thank you, God. The other nine didn't say it, but I want to say it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that I had a Christmas day. Thank you that one day on a Christmas morning, I received a gift, the gift of deliverance and healing and redemption and salvation. Thank God for the unspeakable gift So then what are we doing over here at Simon's house? We're having a celebration. We're having a celebration. We're thanking God for what he's done. We're praising the Lord for his goodness. We're praising the Lord for his mercy. We're thanking God that I once was lost, but now I'm found. We're thanking God that I once was blind, but now I see. I'm thanking God because one time I didn't have fellowship, but now I've got fellowship. I'm thanking God because one time I was hopeless and I was bound by something I couldn't do anything about, but one day I met Jesus and he changed my life and he cleansed my leprosy and he took care of my disease and now I've got peace, I've got health, I've got forgiveness, and I'm going to celebrate. Come in, all my friends, and let's celebrate. Come in, all my friends, and let's celebrate. Every year we celebrate that Jesus Christ was born. Joy to the world. Joy to the world, for unto you is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this is a celebration. But in that place, at Simon's house, being in Bethany, as he sat at meat, there came a woman. Now I would like to tell you, that in biblical times women were important and women had a prominent role and women were cherished and loved and valued but that's not really the case. There came a woman and all we know about her is she had an offering. 
She had something she wanted to give to Jesus. I wish I knew more about her, but I don't, I don't know. All I know is she was just a praiser. She was just a woman that showed up that had an offering. And the Bible said she took her offering, her gift, her Christmas gift. And she came and it was an alabaster box and it was of ointment of spikenard. It was of nard. Very precious. Nard is something that they gathered from the Himalayan mountains. It was very odiferous and it would, had a very fragrant, spicy smell to it. And in fact, what she brought here was the equivalent of one year's wages. Now, she brought a drop in and put that over there. Nobody would have said a word. But she brought a big box of that stuff. Very precious. Very expensive. You see, their problem was not the identity of her offering. It was the radical nature of it, the size of it. A whole year's salary for Jesus. Oh, well, the disciples, they started murmuring and the, folk, the Bible said they were filled with indignation. Now, indignation says it made them mad. I said it made them mad. They got mad because this woman came in here and put this alabaster box and got that out and poured it on the feet of Jesus. And the Bible said that they were filled with indignation. And they began asking, this don't make sense. We could have taken this and we could have sold it and we could have fed poor people for a long time. This just don't make sense. Has God ever asked you to make a sacrifice that didn't make sense? You know, just about every time that my heart wants to do something big for God, my mind tells me that don't make sense. You got bills to pay. Do you know how much that car payment is? You know how much that house payment is. Now you need to be sensible here. Come on, somebody. That don't make sense. Have you ever done something for God that didn't make sense? Well, you've never really known him like he wants you to know him until you do something that don't make sense to everybody else. But what she was saying, I don't care about it. If you could have seen who I was, and you could have seen how many things he cast out of me. If you could have seen the plight, if you could have seen the nature of my life before Jesus. And now that Jesus has come, can you believe? You, you see, what it, our problem is, is we can look back upon that from this side of the cross. She was on the other side of the cross. It hadn't happened yet. And she was pouring out an ointment on the feet of Jesus, thanking him for going to the cross. 
she could see more than anybody else could see in that room. She could see that this lamb of God that's in this room is gonna go to the slaughter and he's gonna shed his blood and he's gonna redeem the whole world by his offering. And I have come to pour upon him the oil from my alabaster box and say, I understand the cross. I understand what you're doing. I'm doing this because I'm thanking you for dying in my place. I'm thanking you for going to the cross and bearing in your own body my sins on that tree. And there's no offering that can be offered that's priceless enough to say thanks to you, God, for what you've done for me at Calvary's cross. Now they tell me that that thing, same thing happened over in John's gospel, that he records it too. Let's see. John chapter 2, is it? Let me see if I can get to it. Let me lay that down a minute. After you get them things listen to it. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. Where Lazarus was, which had been dead. Are you getting this? Jesus was in the same little town where Lazarus was, living with Mary and Martha. Come on, you remember? And Jesus stood outside the cave and said, Lazarus, come forth! And the Bible said he came out of the tomb with his grave clothes on. Hey, resurrected Lazarus is at this meeting. I said resurrected Lazarus is at this meeting. Lazarus which had been dead, whom Jesus raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with Jesus. And now I'm finding out. And then took Mary a pound of ointment of spicatar, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Oh, now I know who this woman is. Oh, so what we're doing is we're having a, a party and a supper to thank Jesus for raising Lazarus. Wow! What a celebration! Before he gets up himself, he announces, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. So we're at a party 
celebrating the fact that Lazarus has been raised because once he was dead, but now he's alive. And Mary says, I want to pour out my alabaster box on the feet of the Lord Jesus because not only is that lamb going to die for the sins of the whole world, but one of these days he's going to become the resurrection and he's going to get up out of that grave and he's going to have a glorified body and he's going to ascend into the heavens promising us that he's going to return. So I'm here to celebrate today and pour my sacrifice and my offering out on the feet of Jesus who has conquered all of my sins and given me a future promise that he's coming back for me and I'm going to go to heaven with him and I'm going to live forever with him What a Christmas. What a Christmas. What a Christmas. Stand with me, please. What a Christmas. What a Christmas. I wonder if this Christmas, if we just designated a night that we just all said, I'm going to come to church like Mary went to that celebration to thank God and give Him the gift of my praise for all that he's done for me and that all he has promised to do for me. Wow, what a Christmas that would be. Could we just for about 30 seconds do what Mary did and give the best praise that we've got to the Lord and, and call it our Christmas praise? Ah, oh, come on, give him the best you got. Give him the best praise you've got. Hallelujah. Glory to our God. Blessed be his name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We worship you. We adore you and we praise you. And we exalt your name today in your sanctuary. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Bless the Thank the Lord for all of his benefits. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for healing my body. Thank you for filling me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for all that you've done for me. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Woo, hallelujah. And here's something great, and I'll leave you with this. The Bible said, as long as this gospel is ever preached, when Jerry Irwin walks up there on the first Sunday in December 2019 and talks about this little lady, 2,000 years later, I'm still talking to you about this little lady. He said, as long as this gospel be preached, this little lady's story will continue to be told. Continue to be told. Thank God. And that Faye is the gift that keeps on giving right there. The gift of his praise. I hope that this Christmas that you don't forget about what we're really celebrating and that you remind your family as they gather around dinner tables throughout this month, don't forget to tell them, hey, I want all of you to know that I owe an everlasting debt to the Lord Jesus who loved me Redeemed me from all iniquity. Wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. As I prayed with Vic this week when he accepted the Lord just before going down to surgery that he didn't really know if he was coming out of. 
I was able to say to him these words. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Can anybody say anything? If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Do you understand how all-encompassing that is? I would hate to tell my grandson what God told me. That whatever you want, I'll get it. Because he's got a list long. And I'm not talking about cheap stuff either. But God is willing to say, if you ask anything, anything, do you have anybody that you know that you could go and ask them for anything and they give it to you? I don't know but one. Just one. But he says, if you ask Anything in my name, I'll do it. I'll do it. Wow. Thank you, God, for allowing us today to be in this sacred place, to be in this holy place, to hear holy scriptures quoted and read. Thank you for the joy that's in our heart this morning about the Christmas and the sacrifice that people made so that sacrifice could turn into blessing. God, may we this Christmas season understand what it means to be in the hand of God and do the will of God. Help every one of us, Lord, that when God says to us, I need to use you, that we say, as thou hast spoken, so shall it be. Go with us to our homes and our families today. Give us an enjoyable time together. Bring us back without the loss of a person. In Jesus' name, amen.